0: Thank you for listening to Therapy for Guys. My name is Kike Autry, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in Katy, Texas. In this podcast, I want to explore the issues that men stay silent about. Our struggles with anxiety and depression, our relationship issues, obstacles that we face with a diagnosis like ADHD or autism or OCD, and our big existential crises. Those related to spirituality and religion, to larger cultural realities, and to the question of the meaning of life. If you enjoy this podcast and you would like to learn more about me, I would encourage you to check out my website. You can find it at kikeautry.com. That's Q-U-I-Q-U-E-A-U-T-R-E-Y.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect. And as always, remember, continue the conversation. I was very excited about having my good friend, Dr. Alan Novian back on the podcast. Alan is a brilliant psychotherapist and a beautiful human being. In this episode, we discuss toxic masculinity and how it contributes to depression and other physical and psychological struggles. After exploring the nature of toxic masculinity, we discuss how to cultivate a healthy masculinity centered around physical health, love, and meaning. We dig into many topics, including the importance of sleep and diet, psychoneuroimmunology, nutrition, and the work of Viktor Frankl and Dan Siegel. For more information about Alan, please check out his website at integrative counseling and neurofeedbacksolutions.com. And if you'd like to listen to our previous conversation last month about a man's journey from shame to self compassion, I'll leave the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember, continue the conversation. Alan, thank you so much for being a repeat guest on my podcast.
1: Hey, I'm always interested in just having more conversations with you and just with listeners out there. You know, I'll say it up front even before we start the conversation that if people want to contact me afterwards, we'll give some contact information, I'm sure at the end in your notes. But yeah, I'm always looking forward to having conversations with other men in general.
0: Yeah, I love that. So, you know, last time we, we had a great podcast where we explored what it looked like for men to experience health in terms of their relationships. And we explored that journey from, you know, shame to self-compassion. And, and you spoke uh, about that from a, from a wonderful perspective, given your research and your experience as a couples therapist. I know today in this conversation, we want to look at more the individual side of a man, and what it means to be a healthy male. Because in our culture we we hear a lot about toxic masculinity. Exactly. And maybe we can explore that too. But I really want to dig into what does it mean to be a healthy male
1: today? Yeah, I think it's such an important conversation. Um, you know, because part of the thing is is men don't talk, right? right. I mean What we, we're doing we, here is rare. This is rare. We you know, to talk at this level, you know, and especially about you know, what does a healthy male look like? I mean, I know in my generation, still growing up, you know, it's a lot of healthy male is just what do you do? You know, you're, you're as healthy as your income is. Absolutely. You're as healthy as your achievements yeah. are, right? You're as healthy as your kids are doing, right? And maybe that's even female, but males still take pride in that too, right? So it's those outside things. So I, I just really appreciate this platform to be able to maybe explore what is physical and mental health Mm. for males because I just don't think we talk about it. And those things we don't talk about end up coming up to, you know, kind of hurt us in different ways if we don't figure it out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So I know as we were kind of prepping for this conversation, we were linking toxic masculinity with depression. Mm -hmm. And so maybe for the listeners... We could start with how do you kind of define toxic masculinity? What are some of the features of what so many people call toxic masculinity today?
1: Yeah, I think when you start really thinking about toxic masculinity you know, just that word toxic, right? It means something that's not just a little unhealthy. Mm. It means it's something that's life and death. Yeah. Right. That's I mean, a good if point. something's toxic, you're not saying, well, this is just going to make me ill. This is saying, this is going to really impact my life. Right. And I think that the mindsets and the culture in general, especially our Western United States culture does a huge disservice to men because one of the things we don't encourages what we just said a minute ago, conversation. But the main thing that we don't talk enough about are men and emotions. Mm. And so when I think of toxic masculinity, I start thinking about first and foremost that it is anger and rage and all those things that go on. Now, here's the part is, anger is the normal masculine emotion That's encouraged. Yeah. I know in my life and just even watching and things along the line over the years is that when males get in pain or they have an emotion, the one that gets encouraged, whether it be in sports or anything else, is like, well, just get mad at it. Yeah. Just get upset and overcome it and just keep going. And while that might be a short term solution, a little bit. It's a long-term deficit. So when I think of toxic masculinity, I start thinking of that anger and that mad that can turn to rage and that becoming the dominant force in a man's life. And then when that becomes the dominant force, it becomes toxic to them. There are literally physical and mental health, depression. Depression is psychological, but it's physiological as well. So that's toxic to the body toxic to the mind. And then it's definitely toxic to relationships, Mm. you know, because I think when it turns internal, what men are taught to do is turn it external, right? Because they don't know what to do. So I think, you know, when I think of toxic masculinity, I think of anger becoming toxic in a Mm. male and them not having the tools or the strategies to know how to deal with that. And that's what I don't think is talked about enough. I don't think men get taught how to explore the emotions more fully or what to do with that anger and that, um, that mad part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So do you see a link between this toxicity of only expressing external rage and anger and then not sort of feeling some of the other negative emotions and The men that we end up seeing in our counseling rooms battling depression, even though they can't really admit that they're depressed?
1: Sure. I mean, to me, depression is anger turned inside.
0: Okay. I like that way of putting it.
1: Right. I have not met anyone, male or female, but mostly males, that what's at the source of their depression is anger, Mm. frustration that they can't overcome that they're dealing with insanity of doing the same thing over and over again and not knowing how to get out of the rat hole in the loop. Mm. And so I think that that anger is that internal source that can drive a male. But if it doesn't drive and there's no movement for it and they can't see it, then I think it turns to depression. Mm. Because it's almost like this burnout. But yet, the male knows they can't burn out. Because if they burn out, at least in their mind, everything falls apart. The marriage falls apart. The kids fall apart. The finances fall apart. And it's not always true, but perception is reality. And yes. men have been taught this from childhood. That, you know, they're the ground. They're the the solid part of it. And so I think that that anger, when turned inside, becomes depression. If it's not talked about. And if it's not regulated in some way, it isn't processed out physically and mentally. Mm. So that's where that toxic and the anger and the depression, I think, all start coming together. And I definitely see it in my office Mm. over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. No, I almost, I don't know if this is the best image, but what's coming up for me, is almost like a body of water that has no place to let some of the toxicity out. And so it just grows stagnant. And starts killing off everything that's inside.
1: I love that image. Yeah, I never quite thought about it that way, but exactly. It's a stagnant lake, right? Mm. That there's no outlet for it to go. And then whatever is inside that lake is going to start dying because Mm. we need fresh water to come in. We need movement to come in. And, you know, I think that's a beautiful image because what it brings to my mind is... Is that the way that I look at emotions in general? And anger is, you know, maybe one of those most powerful of emotions in a lot of ways. Again, definitely for males, but I think females. And the way I've always looked at emotions is is that it's energy needing motion. Oh,
0: yeah. Man, say more about that. I like that.
1: Motion, right? The letter E for energy needing motion. So much like that stagnant lake, it's okay for a moment. But there's got to be movement. So anger is a normal everyday emotion. Right. Every human being on the planet from birth to death will experience anger. Anger in and of itself is not bad. If it takes over and it becomes the primary or the stagnant emotion where that's the primary emotion you experience in life day after day, then I think it becomes very toxic. And so when I think of that energy need emotion, what I work with males with and what I try to do in my own life is say, okay, what is this energy teaching me? Where does it need to flow? Yeah. Where does it need to go? And I try to use it to move me towards a growth or towards something of connection, instead of burying it inside and trying to isolate it, or trying to just white knuckle it and overcome it and stuff. So-
0: or or letting it come out in ways that are very destructive. I think that's another component of toxic masculinity. There's the lack of processing of certain emotions and holding it in, but there's also that set of behaviors that you know is wrapped around power and needing to be above others. And so it gets expressed in really destructive ways.
1: Exactly. So that's that energy needing motion. We need to be aware where is the motion going to? Yeah. Right? Is this something that's healthy and productive? Again, Anger can be a motivational force. Sure. I can have an internal anger at some pain that happened in my life and say, okay, that's not going to happen again to the best of my ability, to myself, to someone I love, or to the company I work for, sure. or whatever it is. So it can be a driving force, but it, you're right. What is the purpose of that motion? Where am I giving it to? If, it's to, um, if it is to power and kind of things like that, then we're gonna have trouble. Yeah. Because power causes power struggles mm. most of the time, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, so if you have one power and another power, they're gonna struggle to harmonize. That's the problem, right? And anger definitely doesn't harmonize things, it kind of pulls into disharmony mm. and keeps things combative rather than connected.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so I think that's one of the most important things is where do we give that energy motion? And I think that's what we got to explore because I think with toxic males, they have nowhere to put the energy. Culture hasn't taught them, Mm. you know, and, you know, females in general... We'll just tell them, take that somewhere, yeah. take it out, go somewhere else, go deal with that. So what do they do? They go to the garage, they go to their man cave, they go watch sports, they right. go do whatever they do to try to take that energy. And guess what? What are most of the male sports or most of the male things they do? They're not peaceful activities. No, they're,
0: they're punching other guys in the face or, 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 or tackling I'm...
1: them. Or I'm going to go, you know, shoot a rifle at a deer or I'm going to go do something, right? They're very usually aggressive activities Mm. to give a place in my mind for that energy to go. And again, nothing necessarily wrong with that, except if that starts becoming the identity Mm. and starts becoming, well, the only emotion I can express is anger And that's the only way I get movement in life is to be angry at something. Mm. And when that starts taking over my life and my relationships, then I think we start to have challenges all throughout the society and communities.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, Alan, I, I want you to think about, you know, your role as a therapist and a guy comes into your office. Thinking about my own practice, men coming into my office. We know that... What they're likely struggling with is depression, but they can't quite admit it, or or they struggle to kind of say it out loud. What are some of the ways that you see the modern man battling depression in your office? What what are some things that maybe people don't often think about when it comes to male depression?
1: Yeah, I I think the biggest thing that they don't recognize is, first of all, the physiological influences. Okay,
0: I'm glad you're starting there. And
1: I'd like to start there a lot, because... Um, one of the ways when I look at identity in general is, and again, I'm a mental health person, but there is a connection between mental health, the mind, and the body, physical health.
0: Absolutely.
1: And one of the things that I explore, and I don't think it's explored enough, is the effects that mental health problems, such as depression or that anger turned inwards, has physically. So one of the first things that I'm looking for in a male and I'm helping them to see is what is that energy doing in their body Mm. so one of the things that I watch for in males when they come in the first um, kind of interaction I have with them is how are they breathing it's a it seems like well what's mental health about right why would you start with breath (laughs) (laughs) and why am I so interested in their breath Well, here's the thing. What I have discovered, what research shows over and over again is the angrier you get, the more depressed you get, Mm. the shallower your breathing goes. It goes from the chest or the throat. And what happens is, is whatever your normal is, is your normal and you become unaware of it. That's just what you do. And your brain literally makes patterns. We call them habit loops Mm. that become unconscious. So whatever that habit is, you're not aware of. Well, if you're not aware of it, you can't change it. The first step to change is I got to be aware. Mm. So I think one of the things I like to bring people into, especially males in my office is, can you check in where you're breathing? Do you realize you're holding your breath? Mm. Do you realize you're breathing from your chest? And they're like, they look at me like, what do you mean? Yeah, you what know? the hell are you, what are you talking about? About breathing? <laughs> what is Dr. Woo-woo came over here or something? <laughs> Maybe I need to check out here. I'm like Bear with me. Literally take a breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know. And let let's try this. And I'm like, let's just see where you're breathing because I'm wondering why you're not taking a fuller breath. Mm. Cuz ideally, it's not all the time, but ideally when we're comfortable and we're relaxed, our breath comes from our belly. Yeah. Our diaphragm if we want to get truly technical. Sure. But I often keep it simple. I just believe in simplicity in a lot of ways. So talk about a belly breath. Mm. When's the last time that male took a full breath? Most of the time they'll tell you, yeah, it's after I got angry. Right. Or it's after I competed in something really hard. I'm like, "Well, can you sit in my room just in the chair or on the sofa, wherever you're at? Can you try to take a full breath? I'll have them practice that and they will struggle. Yeah. A lot to just take a full, full breath. I've even had um, males get in my office when I ask them to do that. Guess what they do? They get angry. Because now they're surprised. Surprise. I was like, what do you mean I can't take a full breath? And then they try, and now they're angry again. I'm like, see how quick the anger can come? And then watch where your breath is. It's back at the chest, it's back up here. They're tightening their fists, they're getting tighter. And I'll also say, watch your body language. If your breath is up from the chest, and the throat, you're going to be closed in. And if you're closed in, you're prepared to fight or flee or at worst case, freeze. Mm. And those things cause problems. Mm. Because if I'm doing that over and over again, my body and my mind prepares to do that. It locks me into a rigid posture, which makes a rigid mindset. And then our only solution is fight or flee. Mm. And so the breath to me is the simplest and also most external with an internal component that I can bring men into and say, here's the power of your mind body reaction and where emotions, energy start connecting to your Thinking your feelings and all that so it's a it's an entryway. I have to saying okay. Yes We're going to talk about emotions and feelings, okay, but we're gonna start by exploring them in the body Why because they can feel their body especially the breath. Yeah, so I can start there before I start talking about oh And by the way some of that stuff comes from sadness and guilt Hmm. and shame and Jealousy and these weird words that most males go Ooh, we're that seemed go like a completely th- different
0: language. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure, Doc, that I want to <laughs> go to those words yet, right? And my wife talks about it, my daughter's talking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not real sure, you know, what those kind of words mean, you know? And I'm like, I get it. Let's start physiology, but then we're going to explore down the road that that energy has a multiple different ways of coming into your body and getting you to hold your breath. I like it. And that's what we're going to explore, explore over time. So that's why I start with the breath is I just think it's a nice entryway to saying your mind and body are connected Mm. and your breath is a real quick cue to knowing where you're at. Are you relaxed or are you stressed? Okay.
0: I mean, that's so good. So starting with the breath is very important to you. What's another physiological indicator yeah, so, that, that a man is battling depression?
1: Yeah. So the other one is is that I look for how closed in they are sitting on when they're talking to me. They got their arms crossed, oh, yeah. their legs crossed, and they're in a very closed position. Guess what? Probably more depressed. You know, they're definitely more angry likely. They're protecting that closed posture, you know, is a part. I also look for how close in relationship are they willing to sit with me in the room. Mm. Men come in and if they're sitting way across the room, about as far as the chair they can get from me and I'm sitting on the other side, they want a distance in there. Well, they don't only really want a distance from me, but I, I argue they're part trying to find a distance in themselves. They're find, trying to find space. So I think where they are in proximity and their posture inside themselves is a huge, huge part. So I watch the breathing. I watch their posture. I watch where they are in proximity. And then one of the other things I'll often use is if they have these nice, fancy watches that most of us carry around now that are smart watches, although I might think they make us dumber yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah don't um, even give me
0: started on you that. You know, <laughs> well,
1: that's another podcast oh, down yeah. the road of how our technology is making us dumber, not yes, smarter, but yes. in, for males and everything else. But if they have that, I will often say, can you check your heart rate? Mm. And if they don't, I'll usually, you know, even in my office, I have a way they can check heart rate and do things. And you start seeing, if their heart rate is over 90 beats per minute, I've had them sit in my office and they walk in. I mean, I have a very comfortable office. There's even a huge mountain scene on my wall, Mm. all kinds of cool things. And their heart rate is sitting at 110, 120 beats per minute. Think about walking around in that all day. You would say, well, that's stress, that's anxiety. Well... That stuff turned inside, again, if I don't have the energy and I don't have motion, I have a toxic lake sitting inside. Yes. That stuff quickly becomes depression. Yes. Again, I really believe depression is anger turned inside with mm. no place to go. Mm. So I'm looking for all that heart rate, posture, proximity, breathing. And then one of the other things I'm watching for is what's the intensity of their language?
0: Okay, you say more about that.
1: So if they're talking really quick, Okay. That can be a pattern or sometimes if they start talking with a lot of loudness and intensity, again, it's a fine line between is this anxiety or is this just depression. Sure. In my mind, I think they're two sides of the same coin.
0: I think so too.
1: You know, Definitely I, I think link. depression has a connection to anxiety and anxiety has a connection to depression. And so I'm watching for what's the pace of it, what's the loudness of, of their voice, and on what, what parts do they get faster, do they get slower? What things in the, are they describing or when I ask a certain question? What makes their voice louder or softer? And I find usually a little bit louder and a little bit of a kind of faster pace often can be signs that they're fighting something internally. Got you. And so I start exploring that, thinking, okay, here are some of the signs that they may be battling with their own emotions. Is it full blown depression? I don't know yet at that point, yeah. but I start really wanting to explore. Okay, where do they get to express their emotions? Mm. Where are they comfortable at? And then, is it something they're burnt out trying to deal with day in and day out? And if I see a burnout pattern. Then we're going to start really exploring more about, okay, where do you have a place in life where it gives you energy rather than pulls your energy? Yeah. And that's the hard part for many males, you know, you ask them, where do you find energy? Mm. And a lot of them have a hard time identifying that. And so at that point, then we're really going to start exploring, okay, what is it? And when's the last time that you had energy in your life? Mm that you weren't giving more energy out than you were getting back. Sure. Because that's depression.
0: Yeah. So, man, that's a great way to ask kind of this question. So you've talked about some of the physiological indicators that you see. I love how you're exploring depression as kind of a, a loss of energy or, or a misdirection of, of the energy. What are some of the ways that you see men struggling with that lack of energy in their day-to-day life as as you're kind of getting to know them and and beginning to work with them. What are some of the things that they talk about that would tell you that, wow, this man's struggling with depression?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, one of the biggest things is that they'll tell me a lot of times is I'll often ask them about their sleep. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So one of the, again, I'm a mental health guy, but I can't help go mental health, And physical health combined. So I get into these questions and I'll say, so tell me about your sleep. Yes. People with depression, they don't sleep well. No, they don't. They may sleep a lot, but it's restless sleep. Yes. They'll tell me they're tossing and turning. They can tell me at times they've slept 10 hours. And I'll say, you slept 10 hours. So you feel refreshed. You feel ready to go. And they're like, doc, I could sleep for another two weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. I could keep sleeping forever. And then you can have the flip side of, yeah, I can't fall asleep, if toss I, and turn at toss night. Toss and turn no way. at night. It feels like I rip the sheets off the bed. My wife's telling me, my girlfriend's telling me that, yeah, I'm moving all night long.
0: Is that is that where you would then link depression to anxiety sometimes too, where where some guys would say, man, I have all these racing thoughts. I'm just worried about all this shit. I can't get to bed.
1: Yeah, I think all of those things come in. And so we talk about a connection between insomnia, right? Mm. I can't let go, right? That energy has no place to go. And why does it come up at night? Well, they will channel it probably out of deep need into their work, Mm. into whatever they're doing that day, because they have to either financially or for the family or for whatever organization they're working for. So there's an outlet to an extent that they do. But the problem is they're dumping it out there, but they're still not refreshing them. So then they go try to lay down at the end of night. And that energy is now going, okay, you've been doing this all day. It's time to start racing this in your mind. And then you start overthinking about, I don't feel refreshed now. And I got another hell of a day tomorrow and next week and next month.
0: Absolutely. And you
1: start planning it out for the next three years and you're like, so when does this pattern stop? And so that races and you're sitting there at midnight, one, two AM and the brain's still going, okay, yeah, I need I got energy. Where does it go? Where does it go? And all you see is no place for it to go, just more demands. And so definitely think insomnia, anxiety, all those things start playing the role in the depression. And then I think that's where we go back to our first part of toxicity comes. Mm. If I can't rest and I can't sleep, then it starts storing in me, and that lake that is me, that energy in me, becomes toxic. Mm. Because part of where we're built as human beings is is rest should be the energy that clears out our lake daily, oh, I love clears that. out our mind and body daily, literally. Physically in our brain, there are cells and neurons in our brain that are, I always call them the garbage collectors. (laughs) They're supposed to go in and clean everything out. And the only time that they have enough time to clean it out is when we're at deep rest Mm. in the deepest stages of sleep we actually get what's called paralysis sleep and where if you wake up in that state if you've ever had that part you can wake up and you almost feel like you can't move that's an actual positive necessary part of sleep where the Mm. body basically shuts down everything but needed for life and it gets rid of everything that's stored up in other words the toxicity all the stuff that was built up and it lets it flow and go if we don't get sleep we're repeating yesterday's garbage which with today's garbage and tomorrow's garbage and then that will spin in our brain in our mind it will spin in our body and we will have toxic patterns both physically emotionally and mentally mm. and that's where all those connections come in so sleep is vital so one of the things i'm always working with men on is we got to figure out patterns to get you to sleep. Hmm. Depression is depression. We got to work on that. But if I promise you, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe someone can correct me on this, but in my experience of 20 years, if you don't sleep well, I don't care what you're doing. You're not going to get mentally healthy. Right. So depression is never going to get well. There's no magic thing that says, I cannot sleep and not have depression. I'm not saying it's the only thing that causes depression, but there's a strong link. So I start back with the breath. How do you breathe at night? What do you think at night? And then how do we get you to find rest? Because if we do that, we can clean out the garbage. That garbage physically goes out, but we can also get through our garbage thinking. Mm. Because that which we feel, we think. And that which we think, we feel. And so that's what I want to clear up. So I work with males a lot, a lot on sleep. How do you fall asleep? How do you stay asleep? And then how do you wake up refreshed?
0: I like it. Now, I know that one of the classic symptoms of depression, I think for males and females, is increasing irritability. And so I'm just wondering if you could speak on that. Do do you see that in your work with men? How do you see it impacting them individually and maybe their relationships, their their spouse, their kids?
1: Sure. I mean, the irritability comes from that, you know, living life is a growth process. Mm. And if you're growing, there's going to be stress. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can't grow if you don't stress. If I go to the gym, I need to stress my muscles to grow. If I'm going to be in a classroom and learning something, I need to stress my mind a little bit and grow, learn that. Well, here's where the irritability comes in, is that we forget that necessary component. And now it's not stress. It is exponentially made worse. And so now the irritability becomes anger Mm. i don't feel stress i feel anger Mm. i don't feel stress i feel frustrated and so that irritability then plays out with a lot of times i see men then going well why can't i just get my shit together
0: right Right? man i've heard that (laughs) a lot
1: right doc why can't i get my shit together it's like they know it and they're like at some level i mean men aren't stupid right Right. we know this stuff should be more under control we know this should kind of be able to get there but yet it feels like the harder we try, the more irritable we feel. And then guess what? You know, Then the others in our lives kind of look at us verbally, non-verbally, or however, and go, well, just chill out. It's no yeah. big deal. But the more we get told to chill out without the skills and the way to do it, the more it agitates us mm-hmm. and the more irritable we become. And then guess what? Instead of saying words like, you know, it'd be really nice if we talked this out and we kind of talk through the stress. We're like, well, dang it, why is this happening again? And yeah. it starts becoming an attack mm. because that's what you do with anger. And that's what you do with those things. You attack and you fight. And so the irritability comes out where the words come out harsher the language comes out harsher, you start correcting people, and then relationships start having all kinds of issues. Mm. And then all of a sudden the irritability becomes from a verbal part to a physiological piece, and people can start having all kinds of physiological issues Mm. going on in their relationship where they're slamming things and you know, getting up to And honestly, in my counseling office, it has turned to physical abuse. I've had that at times where sure. verbal abuse and physical abuse aren't far behind, you know? And so we got to be careful with that. Mm. So I think the irritability is simply, again, if I don't have a place to go with my frustration, with the stress of the day, and I don't see it as turning into productive, right? I go to the gym, I go to a classroom I feel productive about that stress. I'm going to learn something through the class. I'm going to build some kind of strength or muscle. So I'm going to get stressed, but I'm going to get something positive out of it. The irritability in my mind is I'm getting stressed and I don't see any positive outcome coming Mm. out of it. So then I get depressed because if there's no growth, there's no reason for it then why am I stressed all day? And why am I doing this? And so now I'm depressed because I don't see the growth. I don't see the outcome. Hmm. And that's where the irritability is, is that if I don't have that, I'm irritable. Hmm. I'm frustrated day after day. And so that's where that cycle goes. And I definitely see that. And again, all those things I think are linked in to the sleep, yes. to the breathing, to the relationships. They're, I think you'll keep seeing how they're intimately connected, right? Sure. We can't go to one without doing the other. Sure. They're domino effects.
0: I love it. So I know, Alan, you're also a health coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and and your, your wife's a health coach too. Could you speak to that side of male depression? I mean, you've talked about the sleep. I always think about the, 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 the almost like the Holy Trinity, sleep, exercise, and then diet. Yeah.
1: And I appreciate you bringing those up and bringing that other realm. Because yes, again... You know, um, we need to pay attention to all areas of our life. What are we thinking? How are we breathing? But yes, what are we eating and what? how are we moving, right? I mean, exercise is that movement. Sure. Am I doing it to fight or am I doing it to grow, right? So yes. exercise, healthy movement, getting out, walking, going to the gym or whatever fun exercise. I always say, do fun movement. Don't go to the gym if you hate it. Right, go right. to the gym if you love it. If you don't... <laughs> Go hit a punching bag yeah. or go learn Tai Chi or, heck, just dance around or do something. Whatever, sure, males sure. can do that. But I appreciate you bringing up the nutrition because here's what I've seen is that then there's one or two routes that males can take on this. I think the first one's the most common, which is, is that I look at nutrition is, is if someone is not in a healthy weight, a healthy management there could be a physiological stressor that you definitely need to check with your doctor. But so many times I find depression or unresolved anger is behind people being overweight or significantly underweight. Okay. Most of the time they're overweight. And here's why. is because what I believe is food is simply a way to put your emotions somewhere. We talk about comfort food. Oh, yeah. Right? Food can be comfortable. It can bring a short-term comfort, but- And I'm glad it, you're, I'm, I'm man, sorry, no,
0: I, I'm glad you're linking this to men because I think stereotypically it's usually associated with women. It At is. least it has been kind of in my training and just my kind of anecdotal experience, but, but I see it in men too.
1: I see it in men all the time. Now, it, the reason is, is one, men aren't going to talk about it. Right. And two, it is more accepted for men to be more overweight. Mm than it is for a female to be more overweight females are still attracted to males that are overweight yeah they look at the internal of us they Mm. can still see the good guy in us and god bless that in some ways right (laughs) higher power bless that (laughs) that they can still see the goodness in us that i think even us males have a hard time seeing and Mm. they can look past the physiological Us males are still learning to do that. We need to keep learning (laughs) to do that. Nothing wrong with an attraction and a physical attraction. But we should see internal to external attraction. Females can do that. So I think guys can carry more weight in general. They're not demeaned for it. They're not shamed for it as much. And so they'll eat, you know, and they do that. And so the energy can go into food. So I often, from my health coaching role, when I'm doing that lens of things, is I start talking to people and I say, "What is eating you?" <laughs> is the key. You know. So the biggest part of this is is the weight gain. I've yet to see someone who is overweight that isn't eating their feelings. Men. Say are that eating, one more time. Men, in general, I think females too. They're eating their feelings. Mm. Why do we overeat? We're looking for comfort. We're looking for energy. Now, the other thing that that um, it can do is that food can give us energy, right? So we're angry, and if we get carbohydrates and we get sugars, it gives us short-term energy, but then it fatigues us. So the part I will talk to them is: is where do you get your fuel? Where did you get it from? And if you're yeah, getting that's a great it from. Question. You know from carbohydrates and sugar it'll be quick but it's going to burn quick and you're going to lose it and so nutrition is vitally important because i want to know what are they eating and why are they eating it and why do they have the weight when was the last time they had a healthy weight Mm. i think the depression goes back starting from there a lot of times or at least the struggle with emotions Mm. go back from that point Mm. and so i look at it from a nutrition again trying to say what's eating you more than even what you're eating but what's eating you why are you eating it Mm. and when we can explore that we can start looking at okay what's the emotions that are going on what are you trying to comfort there and are there other ways to comfort that are there other ways to express that energy other than through food, that ultimately it's going to drain you. If you're 20 pounds overweight, 40 pounds overweight, or like I was, 70 pounds overweight, 75 pounds overweight, what I can tell you from that personal experience was it was never comfortable. And when I had the stress of my day and the anger of my day and everything else, it was so much harder. Mm. Over the last three years, I've lost that 75 pounds and have maintained it off. And I can tell you, the stress is still there. There's still times with anger. But when I'm not overeating that, it's one less obstacle, yeah. one less energy that I have to overcome. And it actually gives me some energy to deal with that.
0: Absolutely. And so,
1: yes, yeah, so I'm always going to want to know what is their diet, what's eating them, and then what are they eating?
0: Yeah, definitely. absolutely. No, that's so good. So... As we continue to think about depression, we, we've talked about a lot of different things from the physiological to things like sleep and, and eating. Do you see any other ways that depression kind of shows up in terms of maybe intimate relationships with partners? I mean, I'm thinking of one like maybe loss of sex drive or erectile dysfunction, Yeah, things that go on in the bedroom.
1: And I appreciate you bringing that up because yes, again, if I take that internal part and i am burying that anger inside myself and that energy is there it can affect intimacy the physiological and the psychological Mm. parts is so yes erectile dysfunction a lot of those things are connected to depression now they're also connected to the medication that gets prescribed Mm. for depression so it can be a fine line between that but if I don't feel good about myself and I feel shame and I'm locked down in that, then the physiological parts of me, the most intimate parts of me having a hard time literally expressing themselves. So in that bedroom piece, I can have all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. You know, and men can have all mm-hmm. kinds of problems. They're connecting to that act. Now, sometimes they'll try to act it out aggressively you know, and that can come out that the only way they can do it, and this is where it'll come out in relationships, I see this all the time, and then women are affected by this a lot, is men literally will spark a fight, mm. an argument, because it'll pump them up, it'll get them going, I call it emotional Viagra, I don't know if that's the <laughs> right way to do it, it's not healthy.
0: I like it though, but Please you're right.
1: hear me, it's not healthy, all men listening to this, do not do this. Mm. Physiologically, it may get you an erection. It may do that, but it's going to destroy your relationship. Yeah. And It's not it worth it. Is In the big picture, it is a dysfunctional relationship pattern. Mm. And it's going to get a short-term gain for long-term problems. But if I get angry enough as a male, I can often pump myself up in all areas of my body, and I can go in and then perform in the bedroom. Mm. So I will see it subconsciously where men will come home and they'll kind of pick a fight with the female and then want to have sex and want to have that. Well, guess what? That's the last time. That's the, the last female thing they want to, to do. Yeah. Right now. Will they give into it? Unfortunately? Yes. Mm. Why? Because they're in fear. Yeah. Or they just want to calm their man down. Maybe mm. they love him so much sure. that they just want to calm him down. And i've heard it both from women they're either trying to calm them down or they're just trying to not have a bad night and so if i'll just let it go in the bedroom then it'll at least be an easier night Mm. a momentary moment with all kinds of problems at the end again so yes it affects things in the bedroom Mm. a lot of times Um, So we gotta work through that energy and we gotta explore that toxicity because that's part of the toxic things that again come out in the bedroom and then can come out in all other areas of life. Mm. So we gotta keep those things in conversation. We gotta talk it out.
0: Yeah, no, I like it, Ellen. So let me ask about this level. Do you see this in your counseling? Have you seen this in your own life working with men? Kind of the level of meaning, and, and part of what I mean by that, you know, some people talk about a midlife crisis. I'll, I'll work with guys sometimes in their early 20s, sometimes in their 50s, where whether it's just a job or a career that they don't fit in with or that they hate or they just haven't found any kind of meaningful connection to a community or any kind of like path in life, they talk about feeling dead inside. And sort of disconnected. And I'm not saying that there aren't physiological roots to that, that it's not some of the other stuff you were talking about. But I do think there's this other order of things where they feel disconnected from maybe their purpose, yeah. what they're supposed to be doing on this planet. And that can really fuck them up.
1: No, it can. It, it, ultimately, we are meaning beings. Mm. I mean, without meaning in life, we don't function well. In fact, meaning is the way that we overcome things in life, if we allow it. It's the most efficient way. There, the most powerful example of that was a book written um, 50 years ago by mm. a, a gentleman named Dr. Victor Frankl. Yeah. It's a book he wrote called "A Man's Search for Meaning." Mm. And I love that it's a man's search for meaning. He was a male searching for meaning, but he talked about, again, not the females don't search for meaning, but men need it at a core, core level, mm. and now where they mostly find it is in their work, mm. in their performance and things. But if we only find it there, we struggle. And the interesting part of Viktor Frankl's journey, you got to understand where this gentleman wrote this from. Mm. He was a German Jew. He was over six foot tall, and he went into the prison camps. Well, he went in, his family went one way, he went another way. He lived through the prison camps. He was one of the few that lived through. Well, during it and afterwards, he went on and talked about why he believed he was a psychologist. He went on to explore why did he get out? What allowed him when people stronger than him and a lot different things probably should have survived and didn't. So he explored that a lot. And what he ultimately came down to was that he had a reason or a meaning that he wanted to live for. And Mm -hmm. his meaning was that he wanted to tell people how you overcome this. His meaning ultimately was love. He says there's two things that can bring meaning to life. It can be fear or it can be love. Fear will drive you short term, but it will often bring you to anxiety, depression. It'll do a lot of detrimental things. Mm. But if you're in a totally fear place, if I'm lost in the jungle or doing something, it's necessary and it's there. It can work short-term, it is not a good long-term way to deal with meaning. Why do men become toxic? Why do they have problems? Is I think that they're running on fear in so many areas of their life, and it wears them out, it eventually learns, leans into depression, physiological, psychological depression, and I think what's behind that is meaning because they don't find anything that they love In life, nothing they're passionate about Mm. in life. So, without meaning, and that meaning coming from a place of love, love for self, love for others in some way. Now, I'm not talking about the Valentine's type love. Right. Well, I was hoping you
0: would get into that. What what do you mean by love for a man? That
1: we hear on Hollywood TV or in the Hallmarks card. Love is growth. Mm. Love is that there's some meaning in life that I want to carry on. I want to grow and potentially beyond me, right? Even when I leave, I leave a legacy of some kind of growth and love. So to me, love and growth are intimately connected. It's beautiful. And I think Viktor Frankl describes that so beautifully. He had that love and that passion that got him through the prison camps. Now, years later, and I got to work with this at the VA hospital where we found out, yeah, literally physiologically, he changed. The immune system changes Mm. by if we're in fear or in love, Mm. if we're depressed or we're content. Those things not only change our mind, but they literally change the cellular parts of our body. The story I love to tell about this, this isn't written in Viktor Frankl's. This came from what's called psychoneuroimmunology. Fancy terms. Psycho meaning mind, neuro meaning the brain part of it, the neurology, and then immunology meaning the immune system part of the body um, and how those cells work together. And yes, they work together. Well, there is one cell, and I got to experience this at the VA for eight years and some of the research that um, they did. And there's a cell called the natural killer cell. Mm. They're called NK cells for short, but they're a type of blood cell and what their job is, the easiest way to explain what they do, is that they're your kind of frontline defense to bacteria, to viruses. I've heard them called like the Navy SEALs, okay. or like those, you know, those cells that go in and they're the first line, and ideally they're supposed to go in and take care of the problem and you don't even feel it. Mm. You don't even know it. Maybe you're a little fatigued, but you move on, you don't even know you had a bacteria, don't even know you have a virus. And when you're strong, and you're content, and you're more relaxed, or at least you can deal with your stress day to day, and you do those things, and fear isn't overtaking you, and anger isn't overtaking you, and meaningless life isn't overtaking you, those cells are stronger, and they go in and they kill off the bacteria and the viruses, and you go on day after day. Well, here's the problem. You lose meaning in life, have nothing to live for that much, or can't find anything productive, and you get angry about that, and you get frustrated about that, and you get stressed, those cells literally get weaker Mm. and they actually get fewer in number, they actually die off. So now the bacteria, now the virus comes in and they win the battle easier. And so now you start feeling fatigued, you start feeling mentally sluggish, What do you do? You go eat more, you go get angry, you do all this subconsciously and it all comes off of a loss of meaning I would say at some point because what will restore you is, here's what I'm working for, here's what I'm doing. So if I have a purpose for it, I can go for days Mm. and be energetic. If I have a strong enough purpose, I can get energized and it's not work, it's a passion. There's a very, big difference when you weigh those things out and the people that are truly passionate and that change some part of their life. It isn't that they have more breaks in their life. It isn't that they work less. In fact, people work more when they're in their passion and in love. Absolutely. You know, guys know this. When I've been in love... I don't know about you. I've gone and done some crazy things and driven all night to see oh, some yeah. oh, person. Yeah. I've gone, you know, I'll work all day and drive. I mean, I remember in my college years, I would work and then on Fridays, I had a, a woman that I liked up in Dallas. I'd drive from San Antonio to Dallas four and a half hours to sure. see her get there at two in the morning, <laughs> you know, and I'd still be energized. Oh, yeah. Now, I could work an eight hour a day and if I didn't like what I did, I can go home, I can get eight hours sleep, and wake up the next day and go, man, I don't have any reason. I'm going on, I get angry, I have no meaning, right? So what we find in the body is, meaning drives the mind, but it drives the immune system cells. It keeps you physically healthy, Mm. as well as mentally healthy. So I love the meaning, and that's what Viktor Frankl talks so much about, is that he says, you gotta have meaning, It's got to come from passion and a positive or love-based passion. I love that. Something that moves on beyond you, hopefully. And when you have that perspective, he suggests that's why he survived the prison camp. When many others who came in stronger and everything else, they lost that meaning. They lost the love. They got into fear and they got into anger. Physiologically, they got weaker mentally they got weaker. And if you're weak in a prison camp, the soldiers don't, or the people in the prison camp don't need you anymore. And they send you to the gas chamber or they kill you off. Hmm. He was strong all the way through, or at least as strong as you could be. So they had a reason for him to be there. And he kept going and he overcame even the most detrimental suffering people. You know, I don't know if it's the worst of the worst, but I'd argue it's got to be one of the worst out there and stuff. So meaning is vital. And so those are the other things. When I'm working physiologically with men in my office, I am always going, what's your passion? What is passion? What is that energy that moves you mentally and physically? Why are you doing what you're doing daily? And if they're telling me just because I have to, or they're telling me because, oh, everything's going to fall apart, or they're telling me a fear-based thing, I'm going, yeah, that's why you're here and that's why you're talking to me. We got to figure out a way to move beyond that and find something that is a positive, growth-oriented, meaningful part. In other words, how do you go from I have to to I want to? Mm. That's the key. How do we take things from I have to do this to I want to do it? And if I can get them to do, you can do the same job, but we got to find how do you get that to I want to? right? Maybe you might not like your job, but what does it provide in your life? And then I'll go, but is there a job that you can find maybe you do want to go to? Mm. And you might not be able to snap to it right now, but how do we work towards that Mm. so that you can have something you wake up for every day and you go, yeah, this is still work but I choose to do this, Mm. and I find meaning in this in some way. I love that. And so those are the places I go. And then you know what happens? Go back to where we started at the very beginning is. You start even talking about that with males. They're not aware of it. All of a sudden, they're breathing deeper. Mm. They're talking a little slower. They're more settled. Their posture opens up. And I'm like, look, into my office. Just when you're talking about that, that changes Imagine if you could live that life. Yeah. What if that was your day to day experience?
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know, I'm, I'm 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 a person that thinks in images sometimes and metaphors, and I'm I'm sitting here and thinking about as I'm processing everything you're saying and putting the pieces together. I'm thinking of toxic masculinity as like a closed system. It's it's the stagnant lake that you talked about, and it's really sort of governed by fear, and and maybe a uh, a healthy masculinity is is a stream that's flowing, it's open, and it's really both driven and governed by love, but it's it's like pursuing love as well.
1: Right. And we got to talk as males about love.
0: We got to talk about love.
1: Right? We got to talk about cuz that's we not don't. something males equate love to sex.
0: Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: right? exactly. I'm making love. Okay, if you're truly present with that person and it's into me I see, intimacy, intimacy, right? And that's there. That's making love, not making sex, Mm. right? So, yes, as males, we got to talk about love and we got to say, first and foremost, what does it mean to love your. Self. That's where the previous thing talked yes. about self-compassion. Self-compassion. From shame you know, to self-compassion. shame to self-compassion. Go back and listen to that if you want, but that's why I start there. Because we gotta talk about love. Not that is not the female thing that we do, that's the human thing mm. we do. And males need love. Mm. And we need self-love. That's not being selfish. That's self-love that motivates me to be the best I can be, to grow the most in me, to share love and to share growth with everyone I come in contact with, even other males, okay? And those are positive things, but we gotta talk about that because if we don't, then yes, we're driven by fear, we're driven by stress, we end up depressed, and we end up, and I love your part about going to a stream or a river. There's a gentleman or a researcher named Dr. Dan Siegel, who talks about the image, and I love you talking about the image, because his image is, is that he says, we talk about a stream of consciousness, mm. right? Those thoughts that go through, all those things. He puts it into an image. He says, yeah, stream of consciousness is good. Now, we got to be careful. What is our stream carrying? Sure. Right? Is it carrying fear, anger, all yeah. that stuff, lust? Or is it carrying love? Is it carrying care, concern, kindness, compassion? But here's where the stream gets tricky is the tendency is the stream has two banks. One of the banks is kind of chaos and Mm. everything's running all over the place. And I think males can get caught in this so much. Everything's chaotic. I can't predict it. And so now I'm going to fight it and run away from it, right? Or the other bank Dr. Dan Siegel talks about is the the bank of rigidity. Mm. And so you get real rigid and you just, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do over. I don't care what anyone says. I'm just going to do what I do. And that rigid part, while it helps with, with us being able to have some predictability and how to plan our lives and things, there's definitely part there that we need. And just like we need a little bit of change, you know, chaos is a hard part, just like rigidity is a part. We need consistency and we need change. We don't need rigidity And chaos, Mm. there's a big difference. So men will do those things, and we don't flow down the stream of consciousness. We don't flow comfortably. And when we don't flow, we feel disconnected. And if we feel disconnected from self, we will most often feel disconnected from others. And to me, that's where the toxic masculinity comes, because the only time then I can feel connected to self and others is through anger. Mm. We'll talk about, there's four primary emotions that all human beings have. Only one of them is really kind of the one that the culture generally teaches males to get comfortable with. The four are mad, glad, sad, and often they'll talk about bad. It's really fear. Mm. It's the bad on fear, on fear, right? Shame, all that, sure. right? The only one that males really get taught to be comfortable with is mad. mad. Even the jolly happy guy, that's not really where we want males to be. Right. Right? At some base level, you want that. But you guys get told too much, oh, you're too happy. What's wrong with you in that? The angry male, still somewhat accepted. Now, we're moving, I think, in a direction of going... That's got to stop. And that's why we're having conversations about Absolutely. toxic masculinity you know, today. And I think our culture has been bringing that around yes. a lot because that toxicity and that form of this is all that males can be is anger. And that's what motivates them. And that's what does things. It's destroying the males and it's destroying relationships. Sure, sure. Primary and extra. Sure.
0: And let me say this. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail. I don't want to go too far into it, but for anyone that's listening... We have to be very careful not to think that masculinity in and of itself is toxic. Because if you think that, if you promote that idea, if you push that on social media, it actually ends up making men worse.
1: Exactly. It contributes to to their shame. Continues. And uh, their fear. Contributes to shame and fear, and it shuts them down. It shuts them down. And it shuts the conversation down, and that which we don't talk about we cannot be aware of absolutely and if we're not aware of it and we're not talking about it we're going to stay in the same cycle and it's going to intensify because that which we do over and over again gets stronger yes we have to repeat a new habit loop we got to create something new we don't break habits we replace habits yes we have had a culture where we have defined men primarily through anger, Mm. primarily through mad. We got to teach them a full range of emotions Mm. and say it's acceptable to be happy, to be sad, to be fearful. It's okay to talk about your fears. Can I say that to another male? Yeah, right? You're not a pussy (laughs) if you do that. Exactly. I'm not a girl. I'm not weak. I'm not a pussy, right? I mean, I grew up all the time and that's one of the things, right? It's like, stop being a girl. Stop being weak. Man up.
0: Don't be a bitch.
1: Don't be a bitch. All those things, right? And we got to say it's okay to have fear. Yeah. And how do we overcome it? And what do we do? And how do we keep doing it? And we got to talk about those things. And then we got to talk about, you know, the previous one, shame and even love and the positive things and growth. And what does it mean to grow emotionally, to grow in relationship? What do those things do? Not just to make a million dollars or to have some monument with my face on it when I die, (laughs) right? Or to have the name of some building or some church or some whatever it is, but to say that my legacy Mm. is the growth and the love and the emotions I left behind. The energy given motion that when someone thinks about my name, it gives some love growth and positive movement in their life I love it. that's my hope is 50 years so i'm 53 i plan to live 100 and at least and be healthy and happy and doing all these things and you know i'm gonna do everything i can to be there but my hope is whenever that time comes and i pass away mm. that the legacy i leave if they put a name on something okay great probably won't happen but that's not, not my legacy I want when people think about me, they have some kind of emotional movement that says, okay, I can grow based on what he did. I can love more. I can have compassion and I can connect more. Yeah, That's what I want. And I think males aren't taught that. No. They're taught to be strong and silent and to achieve something that gets your name on it. Absolutely.
0: You know, I think this is where it's important for guys who are, who are out there listening to this. To try to really figure out who could be a model for them around this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a compliment. It might make you blush, but I think one of the reasons I love spending time with you and, and watching you and learning from you is that you embody this like masculinity that's structured by love. I mean, you know, we, we've gone out to dinners, we went to see the Blue Man group last night, and I just watch you interact with other humans um, males, females, kids and you're just so open and kind and complimenting others. And I I don't see fear governing you. That's not to say that you don't have your fears, that you're not flawed, but I see this love, this this powerful force exuding out of you. And honestly, it's attractive and I wanna be around it and I wanna be more like it.
1: I appreciate that. It's been a growth journey you know, and I've been blessed to have those mentors in my mm. life, you know, and I think it is. And that's why, you know, your podcast and all these things where we can continue the conversation, keep talking and keep saying, yes, there's strength and we can be strong yeah. and we can go to the gym and we can work out and we can do all those physiological Nothing wrong with that. You know, whatever realm you want to be the best at, there's nothing says you have to be weak to be emotional. That's not being weak. That's being strong. I'm not
0: interested in perpetuating male shame.
1: Right. In any way.
0: I I, I just want them to be healthy. That's
1: it. (laughs) I want to be healthy. Right. I want the full realm of it. And yes, I definitely still have fears. And yes, I'm still growing. And I expect to for the rest of my life. What I've learned is to lean into that Mm. now instead of to fight it or run from it. That's good. And I've been taught that a lot. I read about it a lot. You know, there's a Ryan Holiday book that talks about the obstacle is the way. Yes. If you haven't read it, males, go read it. It's a wonderful book. There's a number of others there. That are That's just one example of it. But it's this idea that, okay, if emotions are your obstacle, lean into it. Lean into Learn it. Learn about it. It's not being weak. It's not being, you know, feminine. It's being a rounded, well-rounded person. Yeah. And that's what we need. And we need people to be more well-rounded, more aware of themselves, and more aware of others. And to get where they can experience at least those four, you know, yes. emotions of mad, okay, that's there. Yeah. But glad, sad, and fear. But then All the others, my previous one talked about a Crayola box of 64 other feelings. Go look something up called a feelings wheel. Google a feelings wheel sometime. Blow your mind. (laughs) And and just, you'll learn there's about 180 different emotions of different levels and feelings that we actually have in humans. Mm. Most of us males have never even really thought about what it means to be, you know, some of these other types of emotions that are out there. But it's an important part and it makes us stronger, not weaker. And hopefully what we do and what I'm trying to do with my 18 and a half year old son. Mm. And it's still an obstacle at times, you know, because he's still indoctrinated by the culture and everything else and sees things even in me at times. But I'm trying to go, there's a full realm of emotions out there. There's a full realm of conversations. Don't hesitate to talk about it. And that which you don't want to talk about, is probably the first thing you need to talk about. Agreed
0: 100%. So, okay, so Alan, I think I want to end on this note. I want to imagine that there's someone in the audience and as they've listened to this episode, they're sitting there and they're sort of thinking to themselves, shit, maybe I'm depressed. Or, God, maybe I've been put in this like man box where... I am kind of like a stagnant lake, and I'm governed by fear, and I'm not open. What would be, and I'm sure there's tons of things that you could recommend, but what would be one practical thing that they could do that would be a, a step in the right direction toward figuring some of this out? Figuring out how to become a
1: healthier man. So two things. First and foremost, the, really, and the first and foremost thing to know is, never give up okay never 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 give up
0: Mm. man you're gonna make me tear up (laughs) please
1: please please please, as males do not get so buried in yourself and think you've got to be so strong that you're the only one that has the answer to get out Mm. if you're in that place and it's deep enough know there's plenty of life preservers out there i'm one of them there are plenty of mental health people but here's the first thing we got to do is there's a hard, hard word that comes with depression because, and it's really any mental health, but in depression, it gets harder to, It's to omit the vulnerability to someone else. Mm. You got to talk to someone about it anyone. If it's got to be a 1-800 number, right. there are 1-800 do number it. out there. Call a stranger, find out. And there are things out there. There are suicide hotlines. There are depression hotlines. The, um, There's a place called NAMI um, that, you know, helps with mental health issues. There's a lot of different things, but you gotta never give up and reach out to have a conversation. Most of the time I'll say if it's that much, Please check out the physiological first. I'm a mental health guy. But there are a lot of physical reasons that get us into this mental health state. Check with your medical doctor and do that. But then from my lens, from the mental health lenses, then reach out and talk. Do the most courageous thing Mm. you can do. And if you can't do it alone again, find someone Grab a friend, grab anyone who's there and just say, Will you come with me? Mm. And show up at someone's office like mine, like yours, yes. or someplace, or pick up the phone, send an email. If you can't call, email. Yes. Do something and start the conversation. Because if you don't talk and you don't give at least a little window in, it gets real hard to open it up bigger. And we can't get to getting you a deeper breath. We can't get to you eating healthier. We can't get to you sleeping better. We can't help you with finding meaning. We gotta do that male thing and not shut down, but the new healthy male thing, not the toxic male thing that shuts down and gets angry, but the healthy male and say, okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath. I don't wanna do this. But I need to do this Mm. and reach out to someone who can guide you through. And so that's the part. You're not gonna have the tools on your own. If you're depressed, I'm sorry. You can Google it all you want. You need a fellow human being in relationship with you. I don't care how successful
0: you. you are at your job. You do not have the tools to do it on your own. You don't have
1: those tools. You can be the greatest person in your career, but if you're depressed or you're not finding meaning in your work and you're holding your breath when you go to your job and you're angry when you're there, by nature that means I need someone who's outside my work, outside my job. To help me see the bigger picture again. And so, depression doesn't mean you're not successful. (laughs) Right. In fact, some of the most successful people in the world are the most depressed people in the world. Hmm. There are many, many people that I have known. Not many, but there are people I've known. And they're definitely, you can read in history. Seem to have the world. All the money. All the power. And... They commit suicide. Yeah. Don't let that statistic be you. Mm. Reach out. Dare to talk for a moment. Mm. Counseling is about courage. Yeah. It's not about weakness. Mm. I honestly believe the people that come into my office, the first statement I make to any person, young or old, when they first walk into my office, is I say, thank you for taking the courageous step mm. to show up to date online if we have to telehealth or in person because I still believe one of the most courageous steps especially for males to take mm. is to talk about their weakness but if we don't talk about it we can never get strong wow. and so that's my invitation everyone never give up hope and take the courageous step yeah. to communicate Yeah, And then once the communication, then that's my role. That's your role. And that's our roles to then continue the communication over and over again till you feel strong enough again. And yes, there is hope mentally and physically. All those things can change. There is nothing that is permanent in life other than change. Mm. It's just the choice of where are you going to change. That's good. And that's what we can hope, help with and provide hope with.
0: Yeah. So, Alan, if someone wants to directly connect with you, maybe they want to start counseling services with you. Maybe they just have a question about your approach. How do they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to get a hold of me is it's real easy to Google. Um, Dr. Novian is real easy. My last name is kind of unique. It's N-O-V as in Victor, I-A-N. Or you can go to my website. Um, the name of my practice is a little wordy. Um, but it's called <laughs> integrative. Counseling and neurofeedback solutions. Counseling and neurofeedback are two of the things I do to help people um, to balance their lives. And integrative is just this mind-body approach. And then we look at solutions. So if you type in www.icns, and then because I'm in San Antonio, S-A. So icnssa.com, you'll get me. Awesome. So those would be the ways. Reach out if you're in Texas and you have a mental health problem, I can do this through the magic now of telehealth. We can do that. I'm located in San Antonio, Texas. If you're dealing more with a true health coaching, and if you don't know the difference between mental health and health coaching, reach out to me and we can discuss the difference. Mm. There are things I can do in health coaching and I can do that nationally. Okay. So, you know, I can help you explore that. The other thing is, is if you just don't know anywhere else to get help and you're depressed or you're anxious or anything else, and you don't feel, and so for some reason this podcast is reaching you, which I hope and pray that it is, and my voice comforts you in some way, call me, and even if I can't help you, I'll find you someone to help mm. you.
0: Same and here. That's
1: a part. Reach and out I to me that's... and I can help you
0: find somebody as well. So
1: let's do that. Let's get men healthier. Let's get whole. And let's get truly strong mm. by being emotionally strong as well as physically strong.
0: I love it. So will you end with the tagline of the podcast, continue the conversation?
1: Let's all just continue the conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you again for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Let's try to connect. Reach out to me. You can go to my website at Q-U-I-Q-U-E-A-U-T-R-E-Y.com or you can Google my name, Kike Autry on Google and there you'll find my Facebook and Instagram accounts. If you would like to schedule an appointment, you can go to my website or you can go to the website of the practice that I serve at Katie Teen and familycounseling.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Please share my content and remember, continue the conversation.